Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. In this series, we're going to be reviewing a sermon from Pastor Jeff Turner. And the sermon series is called The Red Pill and uses the movie The Matrix. I like that, being a God Still Speaks Through Jackasses individual as I am. I like the fact that he's using the pop culture to illustrate biblical truths. But we're going to just find out how much on the mark Pastor Jeff is with his approach to this sermon series. As always, I want to thank, uh, first of all, Mr. Greg Mann, who you hear playing so wonderfully behind here on this bump. This song is uh, called Time is Money. You can check out all his stuff on the regular outlets, including iTunes and Amazon. In fact, if you go to the uh, God Still Speaks to Jackass's uh, Facebook site, you'll see a couple of links up there where you can stream the entire uh, tune and take a listen to it before you buy. Yeah, check out Greg Mann's stuff. He is fantastic. Thank you, Greg. Also, thanks to Five Iron Frenzy for the use of their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World. You can always check out what Five Iron Frenzy is up to at uh, www.fiveironfrenzy.com. Also, thank you to Cody F. Miller for the use of his piece entitled Balaam that serves as the artwork for the podcast. You can check out Cody's stuff at www.codyfmiller.com. And as always, thank you to Gene Talley, my ministry coach. If you're looking for ministry coaching of pure awesomeness, please contact Gene at revtally at gmail.com. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. The church of today, actually the church for the past 2,000 years, has found itself living in a matrix of sorts in different times in history. In Martin Luther's day, all of the known world was living in a matrix that was created by a corrupt religious system to keep them blind to the fact that they were just keeping this big demonic machine moving. They were just there to pay their indulgences to Rome so they could spring their loved ones from purgatory. But in truth, all they were doing was funding Papa Rome's dealings. And, and that's just, they were just, they were just batteries plugged into a system, but there was a matrix, a religious system, a system of beliefs that had been created, that had been wrapped around their eyes, blinded them to, re- to reality, and they really thought these certain things about God were true. But then Martin Luther stumbles upon a red pill in the book of Romans, he takes it, he wakes up to reality, and he begins this mass distribution program where through his writings and through his teachings he begins to awaken others with the red pill of reformation. Different times in history different individuals have stumbled upon a red pill through the writings of the apostles and realized, wait a minute, this is false, this is a lie, everything I thought I knew about God, this is not, this is garbage, this is the antithesis of the gospel and all of my life I've been swallowing it as fact but it's total and absolute fiction Okay, let me pause right there and just say a little word about, uh, about Martin Luther and the Reformation. Quite honestly, if you go back and study the Reformation, you'll see this. And if you're familiar with, uh, with Martin Luther and his work, um, you'll quickly understand that about the only thing Martin Luther was after was uh, a change in perspective on the doctrine of justification. This is this was really his whole aim and and in it 
really in the 95, 95 theses, the attacking of, uh, of, of Tetzel's selling of indulgences, yes, that was there, but that was only a small part of it, and it did serve as the springboard for his uh, thesis on, on justification, and really this was all he was looking to have changed, and honestly, if you understand Luther, he was hoping that the, the Roman Catholic Church, or really the Catholic Church, which, which was the entire church at the time, but, but what we call the Roman Catholic Church in this day and age, um, he really didn't find much fault with it other than that. So, so just maybe ex, uh, exercising a, a bit of hyperbole here to get his point across, but, but Luther wasn't really looking to change everything. He really didn't uh, ever say that the church had got it all wrong up to this point, and we have to rethink everything. That No, no, that's not it at all. Um, Luther ultimately called for a return to the scriptural uh, definition of justification, as, as Jeff rightly pointed out, is found in Paul. And really, that's about it. And, and if you uh, encounter uh, any modern-day Lutherans, as I have, and I, I love Lutherans. Uh, they're just uh, fantastic. Their doctrine is solid. Their teaching is very thoughtful. They make their people think. They put their people through classes. It's, it's great. <laughs> we should get back to some of this stuff. Uh, but, if you, but if you look at modern-day Lutherans, the only, there's not much to distinguish them, really, between, uh, between what they do in Roman Catholics other than they preach the gospel, the good news. That uh, by faith we are saved, and uh, this is this is really the central teaching, and, and it seems like a huge move away from from Catholicism, but it's really not. Lutherans still uh, practice the Lord's Supper pretty much as the Catholics do. Now I know there's some nuancing there, but for the most part they practice that, and they also practice baptism just like uh, the Roman Catholics uh, do. For the most part, again with some nuancing there, but but by and large Luther was not looking to. Uh, to do anything radical, he was just trying to point out some error that he thought he detected, and it just so happened he stumbled on something that was uh, that was that's something the Catholic Church was not willing to let go of, and that uh, by his own conscience Luther couldn't let go of either, um, and it ended up being somewhat revolutionary. But Luther was never looking to overturn the whole process, and I think you get yourself into to, to a, a bit of danger. When you start to look at stuff like this and you start to say, oh, no, we just need to get rid of the whole thing and uh, start from scratch and start over and start thinking again, I think that's a mistake. Uh, I, I think going all the way back to the apostles and even Jesus, obviously, uh, that, that there are things to be learned. There are things to be understood. And that's what's great about the scriptures, whether, however you take them. I personally take them as the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God. That's a lot of eyes, I know. Uh, and I know there's people out there that don't. Uh, but however you take them, you cannot deny their importance. They are our source document for understanding uh, our faith. And so, uh, when when you want to make these sweeping changes, uh, this is this is the kind of thing you run into. You throw everything out, and then you're essentially left with making up your own religion, and that's really not what we're after. And I don't think that's what Pastor Jeff meant. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how he progresses on here and see kind of what he's talking about when, uh, when we need to make some sweeping changes. Um, I will agree that the, that the church, especially the evangelical church in North America, is in dire need of a reformation. They have bought hook, line, and sinker into what I would consider to be pietism. And if you're not familiar with that term, pietism is simply the concept, and this is put simply, that by doing certain good works... 
um, we can be closer to God, or God is more pleased with us, when in fact the scripture teaches us, as Martin Luther rightly pointed out, that, that once uh, Jesus Christ breaks through to us in this apocalypse apocalyptic type sense into our into our sinful lives and he, and he, and he transforms us that, that we can do, do no more and do, do no less to get closer to God. God is always going to and just going to point some of these things out and this is good and this is something that needs to happen throughout uh, I believe especially the, the pop mega church uh, celebrity pastor type culture that I feel like that now I feel like I know that North American evangelicalism is experiencing right now. We have to get away from this. We have to return to the scriptures just as Luther taught us. And I, I believe we really are on the brink of needing a Reformation type of break from these things because, boy, you've got you've got Pastor Jeff here. I certainly am in my own way trying to uh, to expose these errors in Pietism. Um, and you've got uh, you've got other folks like one of my the last couple of guests we had uh, Brian Belting and Michael Harden working in their own ways um, to 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 fight against this Pietism that says uh, you know that we have to do something to get to God that it's all on us that we, it's about our behavior it's about our moralism no it's not about any of these things it's about what Jesus Christ has done for us not what we do for God and Jeff is going to point out these things and that's good. So let's let him continue. He's got a good start here. Let's uh, let's see how he goes. And we live in a day that is no different than theirs because there's another massive red pill distribution going on in the spirit right now, right here in our day where God is waking the church up to the fact that you're new creations. You're forgiven. You're under a new and better covenant. But we've been kept blinded by machines that call themselves ministers and religious whatever organizations that want to keep us blind to what the scriptures really say, because then we just work as the little cogs, keeping their machines going. Keeping the empire running with our tithes and with our offerings. Keeping the, keeping the, keeping the wheels turning with our donations and our attendance. But somebody's about to take a pill. And everything's about to come crashing down. Yeah? And so we've been tackling some of the key... Um, segments of the matrix that keep us blinded to the reality of the gospel. Last week we, we started with that notion that God is holy. We woke up from that aspect of the matrix that tells us the, the number one thing God's interested in is moral purity. And we realize, no, that's not the number one thing God's interested in. The number one thing he's interested in is family life. Okay. Right, now I'm not sure what Jeff means here. The number one thing God is interested in. Um, hopefully... Jeff is going to say that the number one thing that God is interested in is is the forgiveness of our sins, and maybe that relates to this concept of family life. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure. This is a strange way to put something. First of all, uh, I'm not quite sure we can put our finger on what the number one thing for God is. I mean, the Westminster Confession, the, the Confession. That, that I adhere to says, uh, you know, our, our purpose is to uh, glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Right? That's God's number one purpose. And Jeff is talking about this family life thing, and I could see possibly, uh, you know, just putting my best construction on the thing, how, um, how this might fit in. But I'm not sure where he's going to go with this whole family life thing and this being the number one priority of God. Let's see what he does with it. 
Okay? And tonight we're going to wake up to a, we're going to wake up from another segment of the Matrix. Tonight the message is just called Ifs and Buts. So if you've got your Bibles, go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, verses 7 through 12. I'm going to be covering some familiar topics tonight, but this is so important, and I don't, I'll preach it to you a thousand and one times, just so you'll get it. So Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 through 12. Are you guys with me tonight? Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 through 12. <coughs> Excuse me, the writer here says, If there had been nothing wrong with the old covenant, the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people, and he said, and then the writer of Hebrews goes on to quote Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, where Jeremiah prophesies, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, and it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. So why did God seek for a new covenant? Why did he seek to establish a new covenant in the first place? place. Okay, good. Excellent. If you remember a few podcasts back, actually, many podcasts back, I, I did a, uh, a particular episode that talked about how to spot a gospel-centered, Christ-centered sermon. And this is one of the things that, that can help you uh, to, to give you a signal. Whether or not you're getting ready to hear about Jesus and about the gospel, or whether or not you're going to hear about uh, the pastor's opinions that day. And this is a good start. For Jeff to, to read the scriptures that he's going to be re- referring to to everyone, so they so everybody's on literally on the same page. This is good, and I'm glad that, that Jeff started here. As he found fault with the people, they were unable to keep that covenant, and so God sought for a new covenant. Okay, it says it won't be like the covenant I made with your forefathers because they couldn't keep that covenant, and they would not remain faithful to it. And as a result, verse nine, I turned away from them. And the word for turned away means to neglect, not to regard, or to take lightly. So because the people couldn't keep my covenant, God says, I had to turn away from them. I had to take them lightly. I had to neglect them because they neglected me. And part of our covenantal agreement was, you keep up your end, I keep up my end. But if you slack off on your end, I am legally obligated to back off. And if I ever slack off on my end, you're legally obligated to back off as well. God says they kept breaking their end of the bargain, and so I kept having to step away. But I didn't want to step away. I did not want to neglect them. I didn't want to turn away from them. That was never my heart. But this was the covenant we made with each other. And the whole point of the old covenant, obviously, was to prove to them, this won't work, you need Jesus. Okay? But still, they make a covenant, you keep your end, I keep my end. Israel couldn't keep their end, so God constantly had to turn away from them. But God said, that was never in my heart. I never wanted to. But there was something wrong with this covenant because it was dependent upon Israel's behavior. So I sought for a new covenant, one that would not be dependent on their behavior so I could be known as the ever-faithful God, not just the God who's faithful when you're faithful. That's why a new covenant was sought. Okay, and then God says in verse 10, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in your minds and I will write them on your hearts. The laws are not going to be things etched in stone on the outside of you, trying to get inside of you. I'm going to... Okay, so, right. Pastor Jeff quotes this verse from, from the Hebrews passage. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And I, and I think his understanding of covenant may be a, a bit off here, uh, because 
This takes some careful study, honestly, because it it wasn't like God God said, oh, well, here's this covenant, let's try this. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, that's not working, darn it. <laughs> let's bring in a new covenant. It, it's it, it's not quite that cut and dried. Um, and perhaps, the well, I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to exegete the passage for Pastor Jeff, honestly, uh, in this case. It's just, he's a little off with this. In the sense that he doesn't understand what the purpose of the, uh, quote, Old Covenant is. And the purpose, really, of the Old Covenant is to show us our sin. And he's right about that. That, that, that the, this covenant of behavior, of following the law, wasn't going to work. That we were going to need Jesus. Um, but, but, it, but the covenant wasn't put forth by God. As something that was a failure, right? That's going to gonna put God in kind of some dodgy light if we do that, right? God, oh, wow, huh, I'm God. Huh? Here we go. We're going to put this covenant for. Oh, darn it, that didn't work. Well, let's let's try this new covenant. No, no, the old covenant serves the purposes of the new covenant, and this is why again you talked about Lutherans. Lutherans has this dead on the mark. This whole concept of law and gospel. This this is what the this is the complete distinction between the old and the new covenant. See, and it's important that Jeff brings this out here. I think he's missing a little bit of this. I'm I'm afraid because what's happening is in the old covenant we're shown law. We're saying, okay, you want to try to climb up to me? God says, here's how it's done. You think you can do it? And obviously, no, it cannot be done. And that's that's entirely what the law shows us is that we cannot climb up to God, that he must come down to us. See? And that's that's the contrast I think Pastor Jeff's getting out after here because, you know, kind of in his comment, you know, well, this covenant of behavior isn't going to work, you're going to need Jesus. I think he's missing the nuancing of law and gospel here, old covenant. The old covenant had a, had a purpose to show Israel their sin and us our sin as well. And, and the new covenant has the purpose of saying, hey, you know what, even though you can't fulfill that covenant, it's impossible, um, there is a way. Okay, let's continue on. I'm going to write my laws on your hearts, and I'm going to write them on your minds. Does that mean all 613 old covenant laws are now inscribed on our hearts? And so now instead of being told not to shave the edge, edges of your beard, now we just know internally it's wrong? <laughs> no, that's not what it means. When it says I'll write my law on your heart and in your mind, it means not the big 10, nor the big 613. It's talking about the royal law Jesus speaks of, which is we now are naturally inclined to love. And that will cause us to fulfill everything else. Okay? Right. Okay. I, I don't completely mind what Pastor Jeff is saying here. It, but he is what I call straying from the text. Alright. In other words, he, he, A, he's straying from the text in Hebrews, and B, he's not backing up what he's saying with text. And that's this is problematic, because now the, this, if you don't know any better, um, all, all you assume is that these are his ideas. Again, I don't patently disagree with what he's saying, but at the same time, uh, having the law written on your heart is quite a different thing than, than I think Pastor Jeff is, is saying here, honestly. I think having the law written on your heart is, is something that does realize the magnitude of the gospel. It helps us to, to, to when we do understand the gospel, to understand also the, the, uh, 
the enormity to which we have offended a holy God. Right? It's it's not it's not simply this this notion of, of love as Jeff suggests. I would say, all right, it it really is the the moral code, if you will. All right. And, and if that bothers you, we'll, we'll get a little, I'll get into some scripture on this later. But it would have been good if Jeff would, have, if Pastor Jeff would have brought some scripture into to uh, to bear up his point a bit. Is all I'm saying. It says now it's not just going to be about a law on the outside that you can break or not break because I'm going to put it inside of you. I'm changing this whole thing up. Okay, I'll put my laws in their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Did you see any ifs in that statement? Did you see any buts? No, I just saw a declarative statement by the Lord. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord. No longer do you need an external law telling you my ways and teaching you how to follow me. Why? Because they're in your heart. They will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For, verse 12, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. This is the new covenant God said he was going to establish with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And of course we know through the writer of Hebrews, it wasn't just to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. It was to all of humanity. It was to those who never sought him in their life, the Gentile nations. It was to you and me, those who were afar off. God says, the covenant I made with Israel, it's inferior. Not because the covenant itself is flawed. The covenant itself is holy and righteous and good. But I found fault with the people. They couldn't do it. They couldn't keep up their end of the bargain. And, every, and, and this covenant was dependent upon their behavior. And so every- yeah, again, sort of. The covenant is, uh, n- n- again, it, the way Pastor Jeff puts this, if, if, if the covenant is dependent, if the purpose of God's, quote, old covenant was to, to put something out there and say, hey, this is how you get to me. Give it a shot. See if you can get to me. Um, that would imply that if we could actually keep it, we could, if theoretically, if we could, if we could figure out how to keep that law, then we could get to God in theory. And I don't. That that's not what the scripture teaches. It, it's just not. Okay. Now there's there have been books and essays and master's thesis and doctoral thesis wrote on this very uh, idea of theoretically, if we were to keep the entire law perfectly, perfectly as Jesus did. Could we get to God? And what Pastor Jeff seems to be suggesting here is that we could. If we, if we could do it, in theory, we could get to God. But, but nah, nobody knows. Everybody knows, really, you can't do it. No, I, I believe the, the reason God put the, the, the original covenant in place was just, to, was just as Martin Luther suggested, that, that Jeff referenced at the beginning, the Pastor Jeff referenced at the beginning of the sermon, the Martin Luther says it's it's a mirror to show us that that we cannot do it. I believe Pastor Jeff is making a mistake in his scripture reading. He kind of sermonizes between the scripture reading. This, to me, personal preference. I don't like this. I don't read the scripture, then give your sermon, please. <laughs> because right now I'm not sure. You know, Pastor Jeff is so eloquent. I can't tell the difference between what is scripture and what is him, unless I'm specifically following in the passage. And a lot of, again, this is just kind of a uh, homiletical tip to Pastor Jeff. Uh, maybe some of the folks in your congregation aren't following along with the Bible, and they don't know what is you and what is the scripture. And I think that's important that that distinction be made. But anyway, that's nitpicky. Let's carry on. 
Every time they broke it, I had to turn. There were ifs and there were buts in this covenant. There were ifs and there were buts in this covenant. And what I mean by that is there were statements such as, if you do this, then I will do this. But if you don't do this, then I will do that. My grandpa always used to say, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. And the old covenant is filled with ifs and buts and thens. But you'll find them lacking in the new covenant. Because this covenant is not based on ifs and buts. It's based on God's promise to you and me. This covenant is not based on the faithfulness of men. Okay, check this out. You guys with me still tonight? Okay, good. Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 through 6. Just listen to this statement. This is the covenant God made with Israel at Mount Sinai. Okay? Ten commandments, all of that. This is the covenant God makes with Israel. It says, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves, this is what he was to tell them, this is God speaking. You yourselves saw what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. But now... Now listen, when he says, I carried you on eagle's wings, what he means is, you saw how effortless this thing was before. I broke you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. You had to do nothing but just stand still and see the salvation of God. I was faithful to you. You didn't do anything to earn that. Moses just came from the desert, started telling you stuff, signs and wonders started breaking out, plagues started breaking out. You were protected. I bore you on eagle's wings. You didn't do anything. I just came and picked you up and carried you out of Egypt. It was effortless. Now... However, things are going to change. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, and what was that covenant? Ten commandments and 613 other commandments that had everything to do with how you took care of your excrement to whether or not you had tattoos to how you kept your facial hair. Things that were impossible to keep. God says, now, however, it's not going to be eagle's wings. Now it's going to be if you obey me fully. Fully obeying the Big Ten and the Big 613. How many of you know 600, what did I, 623 commandments? Having to fully obey 623 commandments does not sound like the easiest task on planet Earth, does it? And yet God said, if and only if you fully obey. What does it mean to fully obey? Does it mean to obey 622? Does it mean to obey 622.5? No, to fully obey means to obey... Every jot and tittle of the law, 613 and 10. It means you have to keep them all without flinching, without failing, without falling, every single one. If you fully obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. This is excellent. So, so Pastor Jeff is presenting the law in its fullness. Right? This this is the intent of the original covenant. Now again, I, I disagree with his approach on on why God gave the old covenant. Uh, and maybe he's saying it and I, I'm just not catching it. But 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 this is good. When he's talking about the law, God expects every like he said, every jot and tittle to be fulfilled, just like Jesus told us. Alright, this is one I halfway deal. The law is a bar way too high. 
And it's got to be set high in order for us to understand the gospel. And incidentally, um, we talk about the good news. This is something that's been I've been thinking about here the past few days. If there's good news, doesn't that indicate that there's bad news as well? Right? That there's something that the good news had to rescue us from. And this is exactly what Pastor Jeff is, is setting, setting up here in some ways. And we'll see how he goes with it. But, but God expected every single one of those laws to be kept perfectly, right? There was no, hey, pretty good job, you're, you're good. There was no, ah, you did every one of them, but this little thing, that's ah, okay, I'll let it go. It didn't work like that. The law was to be kept perfectly. And I think, if you'd like, a microcosm of this is, is Matthew 7. The Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus is talking about the law, and he's saying, well, you think you've fulfilled it because you haven't murdered, but yet you have hate in your heart for your brother. And that this is the same thing as murder. Or that you haven't done this or that or the other thing. Okay? Jesus is giving you an, an encapsulation of the, of the enormity of keeping God's law and saying it's impossible. And that was the whole point of the Old Covenant. And that's great that Jeff is bringing this out, and he is not diminishing the law. He's saying it's great, and it's something that cannot be attained, and therefore we need Jesus. This is a proper law and gospel approach. Although the whole earth is mine, you're going to be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. God says, hey, Israel, I'm choosing you. All the nations are mine, but I'm singling you out. And I'm saying, if you can keep my covenant, if you can keep my commandments, if you can keep all 623 faithfully and fully from morning till night, from, the, from your first breath to your last, if you can fully keep them all, then guess what? I'm going to be faithful back to you. And out of all of the nations, you're going to be my precious jewel, my treasured possession. However, if you don't fulfill the if, you don't reap the benefits. Right? That covenant was conditional. It was based on an if. It was based on Israel's faithfulness. And that's why God said, this just isn't working because the keep, people keep going astray and I have to keep turning from them. Okay, again, right. This implies that if we could do the law, it could save us. Right? So in other words, God puts this thing out there, this covenant, and says, do these laws, and you'll be saved. And for Jeff to say, well, well, God said, well, this just isn't working, because people are turning from it, and then I'm having to turn from them, which I don't think is... uh, Exegetical work is entirely uh, flawless here on that piece, um, as far as God turning from Israel. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is, is that um, is the, this seems to suggest that the old covenant could have worked if the people just would have obeyed the law. It's almost like uh, Adam and Eve, if they could have just refrained from eating that fruit, they could have gotten to God. And, the whole, and, and in this, I think Jeff misses an, an incredibly important piece of what the scriptures teach us about the love of God, the grace of God, 
and so on and so forth, is to say that all of these covenants, all of these deals, quote-unquote, that God made with humanity, and that humanity broke, is it, all of these are communicating to us one thing and one thing only. We cannot climb up to God on our own. I mean, take Adam and Eve. I mean, all they had to do was not eat a piece of fruit. You thought it... Mm, you think they would have hung in there with that. But no. Even that little simple task to say, you want to you be with God? Don't do this one tiny little thing. And the nature of humanity is to say, no. I am going to do it my way. And, and, I, and, well, the nature of humanity is not to say, I'm going to do it my way. The nature of humanity is to say, it, when we're real about it, is to say, we cannot get to God on our own. We need help. Right? And Pastor Jeff is pointing this out in some ways, but he's also suggesting, I think, slightly, he's slightly in error here. He really is. In the sense that, um, that the old covenant is not something that could be fulfilled. It, was, it wasn't something, yeah, again, I'm, I'm harping on this issue, but I want to drive that point home. The purpose of the old covenant was to show us our sin. Period. End of story. It wasn't something that God kind of floated up there as a trial balloon and said, let's give this a shot and see how it goes. Hopefully the people can do this. You know, they can do the apple thing, but the apple, the fruit thing. But maybe they can do this some way, some shape or form. No, this is not what God's law is about. God's law is to show us that we can't get to him apart from Christ. That's the point of the law, Mill covenant. listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at discussion at godstillspeaksthroughjackasses.org Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash godstillspeaksthroughjackasses and follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at jesusjackass. Please rate and review the cast on Stitcher and iTunes. That helps us quite a bit there as it gets us a little higher on the playlist with those folks and tell your friends about the cast, especially if you're a little shy about sharing the gospel. Plus that your friends will laugh when they hear you say, God still speaks through jackasses. I may fall dead brown, deep and furrow proud, uncanny and so clever, it's our newest plan ever, got tired of whining. All third-party material is used under the authority of the Copyright Act of 1976, 17, Section 107, Fair Use. For all the song with this world, Bible plan to save the world.